Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. No one is, 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 is more locked Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. First and Pod, NFL Free Agency Edition. Thanks for being with us. Tell a friend, subscribe, rate, review. Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi, Spencer Ray producing. The league year is officially open. The legal tampering period is behind us, Pony. There is a ton of news to get to. But I don't know about you, but I watched one hour and five minutes of Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee today and called it show prep. Me and 497,000 of my closest friends watching a live stream. It was entertaining. It was narcissistic. It was newsworthy. It was rambling. It was hypocritical. It was inconsistent. It was a lot of things, but I got to say it was compelling And obviously the football takeaway is he's going to be a New York Jet. But now the Packers hold the keys for when and how much it's going to cost them to get it. What was your top takeaway from the news today? Well, Rodgers is trying to make the the Packers out like they're a dishonest team and that they've done all these former players poorly by letting them go too early and all that stuff and tried to create a sympathetic Uh, picture of his plight or situation, which I don't think he gets any, I think he is reviled might be the wrong word, but that's the one that pops into my head. I think he's probably right now among NFL players, by far the most polarizing person. And even the insane popularity of McAfee, we were talking about this on my show in Pittsburgh today, just like the Barstool brand pretty much when you go against that brand. You know, a lot of their followers and people that support that brand will rally to support their own. I wonder if that's true of Rodgers. Like, because McAfee openly loves Rodgers and so many people love McAfee, does that help Rodgers' popularity? Because there's this weird contrast whenever that interview takes place where McAfee, who is like, 
so beloved and no one has a bad word to say about him. McAfee is proverbially kissing the feet of Rodgers. And yet at the same time, people think Rodgers is a prick in a douchebag. And I just wonder if some of the good of McAfee rubs off on Rodgers. It clearly doesn't in Chicago, where I know he's just hated no matter what because of the way he's owned the Bears. So he doesn't get any benefit of the doubt there. But it's just, whenever he does these interviews, it's interesting to hear the way that people dissect and analyze the way he articulated himself and carried himself. And I thought today his modus operandi was, I've been so good for the Packers, just let me out so I can have a new chapter, a new beginning somewhere else. And I just, that for me fell on deaf ears. That for me did not do anything. Like I am on the Packers side in that, all right, there's only one team that wants to trade for you. There's only one team that'll eat your dead cap and make that move. We've got them over a barrel. And so we're not going to just give you away for a, you know, a third round pick and be done with it, Danny. I, I think that I definitely don't think that any of McAfee's goodwill rubs off with Rogers other than with McAfee fans. And there are, a and there are a lot. I mean, there's a court, there was a half a million people on that today, but, but, but normally there's nowhere near that. The, the, pe- people were tuning in for the news, man. Pe- people, it was the most watched episode of the McAfee show ever. Like they kept, they kept talking about it. It was unbelievable. There were 260,000 people on the stream before Rodgers came on. Like it, it was, it was a media coup for Pat McAfee. Like you talk about like PTI does amazing as like a sports talk show that gets a million something viewers a day, but there's a huge number of people that just like have ESPN on like as the default, like there's just like a built in audience for it. There's passive people that they're, they're, they're not people. There's not, there's not a million people a day that seek out PTI and like punch in the channel. The fact that half a million people had to go to a YouTube page to seek out a show that normally has, you know, 30,000 people streaming it, I think speaks just to the power of the story and the relevance and the talent and the intrigue and the weirdness of it. Like, Which is why anybody in our business... And there have been a lot of people, and it fucking drives me crazy. One of the lamest takes that I have heard in the last two weeks has been, oh, my God, why is NFL Network spending so much time on Aaron Rodgers? Oh, why ridiculous. Why does ESPN spend ridiculous. so Ridiculous. Okay, you got your answer today, people. Yeah. That's why. Because for as much as people dislike the dude and hate his guts for – for reasons that it might have nothing to do with football. When there was the thought that he was going to make a decision today, hundreds of thousands of people wanted to see what he was going to say. And by the way, the number one media market in America with a fan base that is not the biggest, the Jets fan base is not anywhere near what the Cowboys fan base is or what the Steelers fan base is, or even the Packers. You have an entire fan base in number one city in America that is dying for this guy to go there. You turn on WFAN in New York and they it, that's they were doing they were doing cartwheels today over They this. should have been. Dude, I mean like that, that's the thing that people like listen, I think that some of what Rodgers has said to nuke his popularity 
in the last couple of years is like I I disagree with it as much as anyone, right? But there's one player in the history of football with more MVPs than this guy. It's Peyton Manning. He's won league MVP four times. He was hilarious today. He called himself back-to-back COVID MVP. Yeah, uh, I, saw, I heard that too. Yeah, very, very funny. Um, he last year was not good. He has to wear some of that for not getting the receivers up to speed, but the Packers have to wear some of it too with not figuring out a way to keep it working with Devontae Adams. And they were the ones who set this whole thing in motion. And Rodgers did make that point today, and it is a good one. They were the ones who traded up to draft Jordan Love. This was not what the Packers did with Favre when Rodgers could have been the number one pick and fell to them, and they just took him. They traded up to draft Jordan Love instead of standing pat and taking T. Higgins when they were in the NFC Championship game the year before. Like, he had every right to have legitimate beef for an organization that has never, in his 15 years, drafted a first-round wide receiver. He needs one after an NFC Championship game season, and instead they trade up to draft a quarterback, and he goes out and wins back-to-back MVPs after that. So, like, Rodgers definitely deserves some of the blame, and I think the majority of the Packers fan base is done with him because they consider him to be selfish and a diva and certainly on the back end of his prime and just not worth all of this anymore. Like, I, we talked to a lot of Packers fans. My whole dad's side of the family, the score has a 50,000-watt signal that reaches into Wisconsin. We get people with Wisconsin area codes texting and calling all the time, and we did today. Like, I, I think the majority of Packers fans are happy that he's gone. But in the same breath, they say he's the best player in the history of the franchise, and there's also an acknowledgement that it is absolutely in play that Aaron Rodgers is awesome for the Jets this year. It might be one year, but it might be Tom Brady's year in Tampa. And I know he played more than one year there, but it might be Tom Brady's year in Tampa where he wins the Super Bowl. I know the division is loaded. I know the conference is loaded with quarterbacks. We'll see how much he dives in to, you know, getting the Jets receivers up to speed, but having Nathaniel Hackett there should help that. And if he brings in Randall Cobb, already have Alan Lazard, he should have some like Aaron Rodgers translators in that room. Like, I'm not betting against Aaron Rodgers, the football player, at this point. I thought that after watching that thing today, that he is pissed, and he will be even more pissed the longer the Packers drag this out. And I think he will be a highly motivated Aaron Rodgers to prove them wrong for choosing Jordan Love this year and three years ago in the draft. Yeah, it's he has tried to thread this weird needle of I really like Jordan Love the person and I'm excited as about him as a player, but at the same time, I'm still fucking livid that this organization drafted him. He should be livid. And he but he but I think I don't think it's threading a needle. He's like, it's not Jordan's fault. He's a great kid, but it's insane that they drafted him. And it is insane that they drafted him. It was preposterous. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's one of the most baffling draft picks I've ever seen an organization make in the NFL. Well, let me ask you this question. If somebody like Lamar Jackson had fallen to them and they picked him instead, would you feel the same way about that take? It's more about Love's lack of college resume 
in pedigree well, as a prospect, right? No, it's a couple things. It's 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 that. It's his lack of pedigree as a prospect. Like it's a smug, arrogant scouting decision. Like we see something that other people don't. That's definitely a big part of it. But it's trading up to get him. Yeah. And it's Aaron Rodgers said he wanted to play until he was 40, and he said he wanted to retire a Packer at the time. You know, he hadn't flirted with retirement before that, like Favre had when they took Rodgers. Like he all he had said was, I want to be a Packer for life. And he wanted to play until he was 40. And he was in the NFC Championship game. That was all he had done. And then they traded up. He didn't fall to him. They traded up to take him. So, and then they drafted A.J. Dillon. Like, you know, who again, fine player. And maybe, listen, maybe Jordan Love will be great. And the Bears fan in me is terrified of the notion that they're going to go back to back to back with first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But with where Rodgers was in his lifespan as a quarterback, they did do it too early. And he proved that by going to a couple more NFC Championship games and a couple of MVPs. But he also played poorly enough this past season where now they're ready to go to the other guy. No, this past year is the first time that it's valid from a football standpoint to even make the argument, but it also came in conjunction with Devontae Adams leaving. And let's be honest, Rodgers has gotten weirder. Like, yes, Rodgers has gotten, I, he, he has some toxic internet brain stuff going on here where he's going off the deep end a little bit. And I'm all for introspection and, you know, Mental health but, awareness and all that stuff. Yeah, and psychedelic therapy. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know you were all for psychedelic therapy. This is new to me. I didn't know that that was... It, I'm not saying I, I, I've never done it, but like, man, there's a ton of literature behind psychedelic therapy. All right, Deepak Chopra. I didn't know that I was <laughs> doing a podcast with him. I'm just saying... <laughs> I, I, listen, my point is I'm not yucking another man's yum because he wanted to do ayahuasca and go on a darkness retreat and work on himself. That's all well and good, but he got a little weirder. Before it was like, I want to travel the world and I want to go on Jeopardy and I enjoy reading books and like I have other interests outside of football and like I'm obsessed with Alex Trebek. Now it's like Aubrey Marcus, Joe Rogan, the woke mob, Ivermectin, you know, I was immunized. Like he... He's gone in a direction the last 36 months, call it, that have made him more polarizing and seemingly more detached from football. So, because I mean, the thing that was the biggest, and AJ Hawk asked the question, but he still kind of dodged it. He said he went into the darkness retreat 90% that he was going to retire. Yep. Then he came out of it, said he checked his phone and his emails and heard that the Packers wanted to move. So he, he was like, something changed. And so A.J. Hawk was like, wait a minute. So did you come out of the darkness retreat having decided that you wanted to play and thinking you were going to play for the Packers, but then their opinion of you changed while you were in the darkness retreat? So that's why you pivoted to the Jets? And he's like, oh, well, no. Like, all year I kind of read the tea leaves that they didn't want me there. Like, I actually thought Hawk did a very good job in that interview. He was great. I thought Hawk was did a phenomenal job. I thought that Rodgers 
didn't seem prepared for a question that I think you're kind of talking about where Hawks like, so you thought that the Packers, so if the Packers had come out of that, you know, dark said, we want said, you, we want you, would you have played for them? And Rogers was still like, no. Right. But he said, but he made it seem that it was them who had did it to him. Yeah, because he mentioned on his exit meeting that the Packers were like, we still want to keep the door open for you. We'd love to have you back. And he seemed okay with that. Correct. And then and then he made it seem so today I like... So Hawk, I thought Hawk made Roger sound like a little bit of a hypocrite there. That's what I'm saying. It was exchange. very hypocritical because it was like... But he should have he should have just been like, listen, they clearly didn't want me from the minute they drafted Jordan Love. I got that message a few times this year. And so I was either prepared to retire or play somewhere else. I went in thinking retirement and I came out wanting to play somewhere else. That's what, that would have been logically consistent, but he's an inconsistent dude. So that's obviously the biggest NFL story of the day. Rogers is going to be a jet. We'll see what the compensation is going to be. How much, how much hardball the, the Packers play. If I'm the Packers, I don't play it to the extreme and take it through training camp, through August to like really, really screw them over. That seems like dirty pool to me. If I'm the Packers, I want a draft pick this year and a 2025 draft pick with conditions attached to it where it gets escalated significantly if he plays in 2024. Well, wait a minute, though. You're saying dirty pool. If I'm the Jets, I mean, if I'm the Packers, I know the Jets don't have a plan B. I'm asking for their first round pick. And if they are not willing to trade it, then I don't give a shit. Then I won't trade them. But you don't think that that also disrupts Packers camp? Yes, it does. But what's the Jets alternative? Play Zach Wilson? Oh, I think it screws the Jets more than the Packers. Right. So just win the game of chicken. Dare them to give you the first round pick. And I think they will. But I think it screws the Jets like... Not in the next 50 days, like leading up to the draft. It screws the Jets when he can't go to their OTA or their mini yeah. camp or training camp. So, like, but so like then if you're the Packers, are you willing to miss out on a draft pick this year? Yes. To help if Jordan first, Love? If it's a first next year, I am, yeah. Yeah. See, I don't know. I think I think that there is a I think the compromise is if the Jets got Rodgers for two years instead of one, you've got to give up significant future draft compensation. And if you just got him for the one year, you got to give us something like you give him a good pick for this year, but not the first round pick. I think it's going to be. I don't want that SOB if I'm the Packers going to New York and winning a Super Bowl. And all I get back for is like the 47th pick in the draft. No, I would not do that if I'm them. That's not. Fans have already kind of lived that once with with Favre two years later in Minnesota where he was a bad interception away from going back to the Super Bowl and he went to Lambeau and won. Hell so you no. think the Packers are getting the 13th pick? I'm holding out for it. Yeah. Yeah, I do not think that's happening. Well, then what are the Jets going to do, Danny? What are the Jets going to do if the Packers say it's the 13th pick or no deal? What do the- they do? They, pivot they to will Zach tamper Wilson? with Aaron Rodgers, and he will play for them whenever they agree to a deal. But I'm saying if all if the Packers say it's the 13th pick or no deal, the Jets say, all right, fine, we'll just move on to something else. No way. 
They can't no, sell but, that to their fan base. But th- but 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 then Rodgers could say, "Then I'm not retiring. Then I'm playing for you. Then you're stuck. With okay. The whole, then you're stuck. No, but then they're stuck with the whole thing. All they, right, fine. If but the worst case scenario is I have Aaron Rodgers coming back for another year, I would live with that as a Packers co- they, coach or GM. It's it's too. It's like this, the opening scene in Wedding Crashers when they're mediating the divorce and they get down to the air, the frequent flyer miles. No, oh, I totally disagree with you on that. You just said it. This is the greatest Packers player of all time. I and know, he's got a chip but, on his shoulder. But they, but, but they want him gone also. It's also a distraction for Jordan Love. It's also a bad thing for them. I don't think the guy would have the balls to show up to Packers camp. I don't think he would. But if they're holding his whole new team and his dreams and his plans hostage. He would not show up. I think okay. he's wait. The guy went to a hole in the ground for five days to make the decision. He's not yeah. going to. He's not going to see these people and look them eye to eye and go out there and show up for training camp. No way. I mean, we'll I don't see. Think so. so you think it happens after the draft? I mean, if that's if, if that's because the Jets want to keep the thirteenth pick and give him a first round pick next year that's more in the twenties, then yeah, I do think so. Okay. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, we have a lot of things that we could talk about here. It's been fair. Well, let's do some quick hitters. All right, some 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 quick hitters. What do you make of the Broncos spending big on Mike McGlinchey and replacing Draymond Jones with Allen? Win now moves in year one of Sean Payton. You got to be in win now mode when you've got a quarterback that's in his early to mid 30s. And he's coming off a horrible year and you need to see results now from them. So, yeah, I mean, I, I have no problem. I think that that's the strategy that I would go with too. Like, come on, like we're in such a competitive division. We're not playing a young quarterback thinking that our window to win is two to three years down the road. If I'm Sean Payton, I didn't take this job because I'm thinking that our best chance to win is three or four years from now. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. What wouldn't make sense is if they then t- turned around and traded their receivers for picks, which sounds like it's something that might happen if somebody meets their asking price. That was that was what I was thinking. Like Because they, if they were in win-now mode, I would have thought they would have brought back Draymond Jones or used the franchise tag on him, but they got, got a little worse at that position, but still spent there. McGlinchey, a great run-blocking right tackle. 
Uh, you would think they would be trying to help Russell Wilson figure it out more in the passing game. They gave him an astronomical amount of money. There is talk that their receivers are available in a trade. I know they don't have a lot of draft capital, so if they are going to make additions, it has to be in in free agency. I just I I didn't I I thought that and you could argue that McGlinchey helps Russell Wilson. Sure, you upgrade on your offensive line, and he is an upgrade. Uh, I guess I just thought it would be more centered around the passing game as opposed to just getting worse at defensive tackle and a run blocking right tackle and not, and then also still potentially reportedly being willing to trade your receivers. It just, it seemed inconsistent to me, but everything they've done has seemed inconsistent. All right. So that, that was the first one that I, that that came to mind for me. What about you? Uh, I would say that as far as the big winners and teams in free agency, that stick out to me, it's the Hargrave move to the Niners because they took a great player off of the team that beat them in the NFC Championship and they added it to their defense, which was already last year statistically like the best in the NFL. And while that's happening, the Eagles release Slay, you know, their Edwards leaves, Kaiser White leaves. So, you know, for the 49ers, it's like, their roster is still intact to be great this year. The Darnold thing is interesting to me. Like, that, that is going to be a case study in a great experiment for Kyle Shanahan as a quarterback. I mean, as a, as a head coach, excuse me. Like, if Brock Purdy's not ready, you've got three guys there that could presumably start at, at some point this year between those three guys. And I thought Darnold, believe it or not, in Carolina this year, after all the moves got made, looked competent. And he's the former number two overall pick in the draft. So I'm very curious about that move, Danny. Yeah, the I mean, the Niners defensive line might be better than their skill position group and their skill position group might be the best in the NFL. It's, it's an unbelievably talented roster. Uh, I think it's an overpay for Hargrave. And I thought it was an embarrassment of riches for them. Just it's a, it's a huge deal for a defensive lineman on the, on the wrong side of 30. He's a great player. Um, But again, like if I was looking at areas of weakness on the Niners, I would not have thought defensive line, $80 million contract to a guy over 30 and Spencer has it. Um, The Eagles did not officially file the paperwork on releasing Darius Slay. And our guy, Zach Berman, mentioned that the same thing happened last year with Fletcher Cox. Like, there was a deadline. Mm. They had to, like, for the like release him, but then they worked something but Slay out. Slay put out a tweet like, hey, I'm on to my next thing or something like that. I know, but apparently apparently, Howie Roseman is trying to, you know, pull a rabbit out of his hat and figure out a way to keep him. Because uh, they lost Dillard also, the, the offensive yeah, line. to Tennessee. Yeah. So... I mean, we knew they were going to lose a lot. Fletcher Cox did take a hometown discount, I guess. He had bigger offers elsewhere, but he's going back to Philly on a $10 million deal. So, you know, they're they're experiencing the normal uh, loss of talent for a team like that. Like, we talked all year about how deep they were and everything like that. You go to the Super Bowl, guys are looking to get paid. So they will they will be relying on – Miles Sanders signed the big deal in Carolina, so so he left. They will be relying on uh, Hurts to take another step and still having a very good roster, even if not the best. 
we haven't been on since the Bears traded the number one overall pick. And then they have the most cap space of any team in the league. And they were crazy active with Edwards and Edmonds, which was a big surprise here because the thought here was receiver, tackle, pass rusher, nose tackle in some order was the big moves. What Ryan Poles did, I thought, with the trade, getting DJ Moore was brilliant. But then when he didn't pay Roquan Smith only to turn around and play uh, pay Edmonds, it threw us all for a huge loop. I think I understand the logic of it now. We'll get your take in a second. But it's been a very backwards approach to it. Like, traded for the receiver, traded the number one pick earlier than the number one pick has ever been traded, still don't have a three technique, still don't really have an edge rusher. They brought in Demarcus Walker from Tennessee who had seven sacks last year, but he's been on four teams in four years. Uh, Edmonds, the big signing, record-setting four-year deal for an inside linebacker, and then a couple of more moves around the periphery, special teamer from the, from the Seahawks, and uh, Nate Davis, the guard from the Titans. They've made five moves so far, including DJ Moore. What's your outsider opinion on the Bears moves? I love the trade. I love the move that they made to, to with, the, with Carolina. The compensation they got back, including Moore, who has played with P.J. Walker and Cam Newton and Kyle Allen and Teddy Bridgewater. And I think he's he's one of these guys like Terry McLaurin that needs a really good quarterback for everybody to realize, other than fantasy football nerds, what a great re- receiver the guy is. And I give uh, give Chicago credit for making sure that he was included in that deal. Um, I think what happened with Jalen Carter and his pro day hurts. I think maybe part of the logic there was if we move down to nine, that'd be a good spot to get him. The guy's out of shape. He came in as a big fat ass. He couldn't even get himself through the drills. I mean, I'd be livid. Um, I do think he's going to free fall now. I did not think that when we talked a couple of weeks ago, but you know that there's a reason now for teams to pass up on you. Like, why are you not taking this part of your job seriously? You've got one thing to do, and that's be in shape. And you got that you've got to tap out of drills. I mean, that's embarrassing. It, I mean, that it is, is embarrassing. absolutely embarrassing. And if he falls and he turns into the next Warren Sap, well, then good for him. But that is a gigantic red flag for me. So maybe you'll call me soft or a huge empath here because I'm with you. The report today was inexcusable. Is it possible? Two things. One, I think he's getting terrible advice. Like, I don't know what is going on, but if you know that you're overweight from the combine, which was two weeks ago at your pro day, say, I'm here to support my teammates. I will be hosting my own workout in X number of days. And that's when I will talk and do all of the drills. But that's not happening today. I don't want to be a distraction to my Georgia teammates. Like, why would you let that dude stand on a scale if he's up weight from the combine? That is terrible agent. Not only that, it's the, it's like, I, everything you've said so far, I agree with you, but it's like, you're going to go out there and you can't even get yourself through football workouts. So then here's the next part of it. 
what if this kid who made this terrible mistake, this terrible lapse in judgment that results in people he knows dying? Yep. Then he's processing that trauma. And then on the day of the biggest interview of his life, the NFL Combine, he gets arrested. And now he's in national shame. Yep. And the weight of the world feels like he's cracked. He feels like he's blowing it. Yep. And in the two weeks from the Combine to today, he can't focus. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he he's 21 years old. He starts eating. He, you know what I mean? He just, he, he, he's, it, it would feel, I could imagine someone feeling like they're letting their whole future and sure. world slip away. And, and listen, he's got to be a pro and this is big boy business and it will cost them in the draft and all of that. Like, but now I think the range of outcomes here is so wide. Like he could do a pro day like Odell Beckham did, like a solo pro day in three weeks. Every team in the NFL would attend, crush it, do a press conference, show contrition, do one-on-one interviews, ace them, and be right back in play for Detroit with the sixth pick. That's in play. Not looking good, but it's in play. Or he could flunk the interviews with the teams never run a 40, and fall out of the first round. Yeah, we're not talking about a guy that's like a second-round pick. We're talking about someone at one point was in conversation for the number one pick Correct. before the Bears made the move. So I need to see what I think is elite-level productivity and behavior from him as a player if he wants to be selected there. And so the analogy that I'll make here is He's not the first NFL prospect, draft prospect, to have misdemeanor charges against him or to have things either criminally or off the field that could impact his draft stock. And he's not the first person to have that happen right around the combine or around the pro days. So he's not unique in that case. There's a guy in college basketball, Brandon Miller, who had a much, now he wasn't charged, but is just like Jalen Carter involved either directly or indirectly with an incident where someone died in Miller's case, someone was killed with a firearm and the guy has gone out there and played great basketball. So I do think what you're looking for as a scout or an organization or whatever is, can this person block out or put on the back burner or just ignore what's going on in his personal life to be productive at his job. And so far, Jalen Carter has not done that, which is not to say that in the future he can't, but to me, like he's not the number, he's not the ninth overall pick anymore because of what's happened. No, I, as, as of right now, I agree. I agree with you. And it's, it's, it's a cold world where, Racing the car the night of the championship that leaves a couple of people dead uh, because the other car crashed. You speed off, leave the scene of the crime, lie to the cops reportedly, and don't come clean for a couple of months until you get arrested. Is not as big of a deal as showing up nine pounds overweight to your pro day. Like there is an imbalance there in terms of what we think is the bigger transgression 
in the eyes of NFL teams. And I'm not even saying I disagree with you, but man, people are different. Brandon Miller might have the ability to compartmentalize in a way that Jalen Carter might not right now at a young age. Like, I don't know, not to make it too personal, but like I'm dealing with a lot of very stressful, traumatic, familial health things have been for months and months and months and months. And my performance at times, I have noticed it slacking. And I'm 36 years old with two kids and a professional. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's hard to balance everything and feel like you're doing a great job. Um, and I don't have nearly the attention and I'm not losing at risk of losing $30 million like Jalen Carter is. And I'm 14 years older than him, you know? So it's, yeah. And again, don't get it twisted. He is fumbling the bag. Like he, he legitimately could be costing himself 30 plus million dollars in the last two weeks. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Danny, the other thing about what stuck stood out to me about free agency that I would say I've um, that's been apparent to me is the teams that said that they didn't want to trade for Lamar Jackson have backed that up with quarterback signings. Now they haven't gone out and in, in like spent frivolously or in some kind of like reckless way on guys, but they filled out their depth chart. So Atlanta brought Heineke in. So now they've got Heineke and Ritter. So Washington signs Brissett. Now they've got Brissett and Howell. It's like the teams that we thought, okay, this might be a team, even though the initial reporting was, okay, they're out on Lamar Jackson. Well, now those teams have gone out of their way to fill those slots. They're not even like, well, let's pursue Jackson. And if that doesn't work out, we'll circle back to Heineke or Brissett. No. They were proactive and they brought those guys in. So I think he's stuck. I, I agree. Think he's I, stuck. Mean, I, I said it last time, man. I Someone has to tell me, and you said Washington, and it's a fair argument. And I know a lot of people keep wanting to say Atlanta. But someone needs to tell me which fan base is supposed to do backflips over giving up two first-round picks and $200 million guaranteed, or just say $190 million guaranteed. Say he's got to beat Kyler Murray's contract, which was $189.5 million guaranteed. Yep. But I, I got to assume that he wants to do that at a minimum. Uh, who's beating Kyler Murray's contract and giving up two first-round picks, and you're positive it's a good move? I thought Daniel Jeremiah made what I thought was one of the better points on this whole conversation when he was talking about the Colts and he said, if you're Indy, you're probably right now facing a dilemma where if you stay where you are, where you are, you're going to get the third quarterback, Carolina, Houston, and you're going to get best at best. If you stay, if you stand pat the third quarterback, or you could try to move up, but that's, that ship looks like it sailed, right? I mean, Houston's can, not. Yeah, I mean, the only thing you could, I mean, you can move up to three, right? To, to to Arizona, but you're not you're not moving up with Houston in your own division, and you're overwhelmingly likely not moving up with Carolina. So his point one. was, if they were willing, at least in theory, to move up to one to get an unproven quarterback and give up first round picks, why wouldn't they just do that to get Lamar Jackson? 
Just sign them to the contract and give up the ones to get them. And now you've got Lamar Jackson instead of a question mark quarterback. Yeah, I mean, of course, the difference is $200 million guaranteed. Yeah. You'd get get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or whomever on the rookie deal, and you'd get Lamar on the the massive contract without the draft picks to help him. Right. So if I'm Indy, I would rather take Anthony Richardson with that pick and give up no draft capital and still have all that money to spend than make that trade. The other thing I thought that Jackson made a mistake with this week was talking about, well, you know, I need an agent. I turned down three years, $133 million guaranteed. Lamar, if that was such a good deal that you're bragging about saying no to, why did you turn it down? He's like, I'm such a good negotiator. I already got $133 million guaranteed. Why are you, like, why are you complimenting yourself for a negotiation where they offered you a deal that you still said no to? Do you know what I mean? Well, to be I, honest, I didn't totally understand the tweets because Schefter was saying that it was like three for 133, but then there was like another guarantee of a signing. And then there was like a de facto injury guarantee that put it up near 200 million. But Lamar was saying, no, it was three for 133. But Schefter was like, yeah, but it was the 133 plus the this plus the that. And Schefter's not just making that up. Obviously, that's a Raven source giving it to him. But yeah. he's not making it up. So, like, did Lamar just leave that out? And he like completely dismissed like the they're not they're not a hundred percent guarantees, but they are in essence guaranteed because like you're not signing Lamar to that contract and he's not going to be on your team in twelve months. Like that'd be ridiculous. So I I just that whole Lamar doing all of the like cryptic social media stuff. It's that's too much to read into right now. Like I just, I think he is going back to Baltimore and I don't know what number he has in his mind because he's not speaking to it, but he was like, see, I don't need an agent. Yeah, you do, man. You could probably hire an agent to take a 1% commission on this deal and just remove the headache from your life. That's gotta be worth a million bucks to you. It's gotta be. Give me the as a way to wrap a bow around all this, give me the deal you like the most from free agency. Well, yeah, there's a few more, uh, but I thought that what the Giants did getting Darren Waller was great. Oh, I hated it. Really? Yeah. I hated it. He's the best pass catcher on the team. Well, okay. That's like the lowest bar in the world to clear. But if you need Daniel Jones to be good and there were no good receivers on the open market, like it, I I looked at it as a similar thing to obviously on a smaller scale of the bears adding DJ Moore. They figured out a way to acquire an elite pass catcher. I don't look at him as elite player who aligns with the timeline of their quarterback. If their quarterback is real and it was for the hundredth pick in the draft, like, that to that that to me just made all of the sense in the world. Uh, the guy was incredible a couple of years ago. He's fallen off two years With ago. Josh McDaniels. Okay. Now he's got Brian Dable. Great. Okay. Before that, he had John Gruden. I mean, 
the last two, he's in his 30s. He's an old player. I know some tight ends have played well into their 30s, like Kelsey, obviously, yeah. is a legend, and Tony Gonzalez as well, and guys like that. But I don't know, man. Like, the Giants seem to be putting a lot of stock in a year where they advance deep in the playoffs, but honestly, we're not that good of a football team. And No, they were not. They well. were not. Right. So adding a tight end in his 30s, to me, is not the answer. At all. He's not a blocker whatsoever. He's just a wide he's just a wide receiver in a tight end's body. That didn't move the needle for me whatsoever. It does not make me think the Giants are like a team that is on the ascent and is going to improve on last year or match last year at all. Did not do that for me. All right. My favorite my favorite deal is Orlando Brown. I know they paid a lot for him, but that the Bengals are going for it and they're like, whatever. He's the best offensive tackle out there. Right tackle, left tackle, pass blocker, run blocker. We don't care. We're paying full freight to get our. And I thought it was under. I thought it was underpriced, given what Juwan Taylor got from the Chiefs. You're getting this guy for sixteen million dollars a year. I loved that move by them. Did you see the Schefter report that the league views him more as a right tackle than a left tackle? I buy that because he was better at right tackle in Baltimore. But so that, that's what interested me about it. The Chiefs signed Jawan Taylor to protect the most valuable asset in the NFL, who is Pat Mahomes, who is a right tackle for the Jaguars. And they signed him and immediately said he's going to be our left tackle. So they let Orlando Brown go, who they franchise tagged at left tackle and won a Super Bowl with at left tackle. And now Orlando Brown is being talked about that he needs to be a right tackle. So. I'm not sure if he's playing left tackle or right tackle for the Bengals, and he got the huge signing bonus. Not a single human being at the end of the year thought Jawan Taylor was a better offensive lineman than Orlando Brown. I, I know this. I know that Chiefs fans were not upset to see Orlando Brown go, and he in that Jaguars game, he looked terrible. He did. Uh, in the playoffs. He looked good in the Super Bowl, but that was because the pass rushers for the Eagles kept slipping on the damn field. Um, and Chiefs fans not at all sad to see him go. They like Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey and Joe Thune more. So I just. I think it's getting too cute on Kansas City's part. That's it, my personal take on it. It shocked me, but I never, I, I had no idea like that. It, it's like some next level galaxy brain scouting. Like our left tackle is not good enough. He should be a right tackle. Their right tackle is good enough to be our left tackle. Like never saw that one coming. Um, what do you make of the argument? Because I saw you hated the Edmonds signing for the Bears. Yes. What do you make of the argument that at 6'5", 250, with the freakish athleticism and length, that in the modern NFL, where your base defense, like the Bears' base is a 4-3, but really you're always in nickel because teams are running three wide receiver sets, so you're taking a linebacker off the field, that – the most valuable thing for linebackers now are the linebackers who are not a liability in coverage. So that, so his length and pass coverage grade is the tops for any linebacker inside linebacker in football. And that's what they're doing. It's to help the pass defense and the fact that he doesn't sack the quarterback or force fumbles. Like that's not really what it is. It's to be that Rover in the middle of the field 
who's like a deterrent for the short, quick passing game that dominates the league these days? I don't buy it at all. I think it's, I, I think it's, I think it's again, overthinking a situation. You know, the Bills, they haven't won a Super Bowl, but they've got a defensive head coach. I think he prefers Milano to Edmonds. I think if he had, I think if he had his pick and they did, they kept Milano, they let Edmonds walk. I thought Edmonds was atrocious in the playoff game against the Bengals. He looked like he was a rag doll out there, even given that size. He was getting manhandled by backup offensive linemen that day. I thought he left me lacking and probably made for me a lasting negative impression with the way he played in that game. Um, I just think the I just think the inside linebacker is turning into the defense equi- defensive equivalent of the running back. And are there running backs that make a huge difference and are, you know, like Derrick Henry, guys that turn teams from good to great? Sure. But there aren't many. And we see examples all the times of teams without great running back play who win championships. So that's just my issue. Like, it just seems like if inside linebacker were such an important position, whether you know you're trying to play him situationally or three downs, that the league would value the position more. And I would not want to be the outlier team that pay. I, I don't want to be the outlier team that pays a running back, and I don't want to be the outlier team that plays it pays an inside linebacker. I was shocked that it happened, but then when some of the you know the brainiac football people were basically making the argument that you know in the Bears division. They got the Vikings and the Packers who want to, you know, uh, they want to get you a nickel to run. They want to get you in your base to pass. And that's what they do. So you've got to have these coverage linebackers that can stay on the field and defend both. I was like, huh, that's interesting. He's four inches taller than Roquan Smith. They got a second round pick for Roquan. Roquan cost a few more million dollars per year. So, they get two linebackers for the price of one and a second round pick. Let me ask you this question. Would you rather have Orlando Brown or Tremaine Edmonds right now as a Bears fan? I I would have I would have said, uh, based on just the Chiefs fans who don't like Orlando Brown, I would have said Tremaine Edmonds. Um, but I thought they wanted I thought the Bears were getting Mike McGlinchey. So I would have said Mike McGlinchey over both of them, frankly. And they apparently finished second in the the bidding. Man, these play. Chiefs fans really brainwashed you on Orlando Brown, thinking that he sucks. Yeah, power to power to the Chiefs fans out there. Yeah, why didn't you listen to me when I told you Chase Claypool sucked? I did. What? Okay, I did, dude. Generally speaking, if a fan base is happy to see a guy go, they stink. When the Bears added Jermaine Effetti and you searched him on Twitter and it was just 10,000 Seahawks avatar people saying congratulations on your next holding penalty. I was like, oh no, <laughs> this guy's not going to be any good. Uh, we'll come right, on Danny. to big news. We'll do it weekly throughout the offseason. Tell a friend. Thanks to Spencer Ray. Subscribe, rate, review, first and pod. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 